Onyx Hunt is our go-to solution for anything mapping related, whether we're at the house or in the field, whether we're using the tracking feature in order to kind of figure out exactly where we're going in and out of the woods, to also implementing the new cell camera feature where you can actually link your different cell cameras that you may have from different brands and be able to get all those photos sent directly through the Onyx app where you can actually see them on your maps and be able to go through all your photos right there in one place. You can use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout and save 20% on your Onyx Onyx membership. Onyx has been extremely helpful for us the last six years, and I'm sure it'll be helpful for you. So know where you stand with Onyx. I'm sure by now y'all have heard about the Vortex VIP warranty. It is a unlimited, unconditional lifetime warranty. Absolutely the best warranty in the business. So if you drop your binos out of a tree stand, if you run them over with your truck, whatever happens, you can send it into Vortex and they'll fix or replace it. That gives me peace of mind knowing that Vortex stands behind their products. So hey, head on over to Midway USA and use the promo code SOUTHERN to get a discount on any Vortex optics you order through Midway USA. If you use that code, you get a discount and it helps out the show. So head on over to MidwayUSA.com and check out some Vortex optics. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Meadow Creek Mounts is your go-to mounting option for red dots on your turkey shotgun. And one of my favorite features about this mount is you don't have to drill and tap your shotgun in order to mount a red dot onto your shotgun. I personally have used this mount the last two seasons and it's worked extremely well for me. One thing I personally like about it is because it's so low onto the barrel when it mounts to the rib of your shotgun, it allows for a very natural head positioning when shouldering your gun. Also an advantage of using a red dot compared to maybe just a traditional bead on your shotgun is you get a much more clear view of the turkey and you're able to kind of see what else is around there and making sure you're perfectly on that bird. Now if you're interested in giving Meadow Creek Mounts a try you can go over to the website meadowcreekmounts.com and use the code southern at checkout to be able to save 10% on your order. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Outdoors podcast. Today I'm sitting here with the ginger bow hunter himself, who has had a great couple days of scouting. How about it? Oh yeah, man. It's been awesome. It's uh, been awesome, and I think on this episode we're going to be kind of talking about uh, kind of some of the things that we've actually been applying uh, from a couple of these last podcasts, especially a lot from Josh Driver's episode, episode 174, um, how to find your target buck now. Uh, and then also, I've got a couple things to talk on about uh, Troy uh, Pottinger's episode, um, 175. So I- I'm actually really, really excited about this. And uh, yeah, dude, we've been getting after him with some with some trail cameras and getting after some scouting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so me, you, and uh, Michael have been putting out some cameras. Michael's working tonight. He could not be here, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we went out with him, uh, put out like six cameras already or something. Oh, yeah, y'all put out at least six, I think, the first time of his cameras, and you put out a couple of years as well. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we did the vanilla thing, and it just, they, they didn't they didn't care. The deer never messed with our vanilla. Yeah, but the thing is, they might not mess with it, but you, do you know or do you not know whether or not for sure that's possibly one other reason why they came through right there? 
Well, I don't know. Point. Four of the cameras didn't have anything. Okay. And two of them had bucks. Hey, that's that's that's, hey. that's okay ratio. <laughs> yeah, but the two that had bucks. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know. Michael <laughs> Michael doesn't think. I didn't really even look at the pictures that closely, so they could have been. But Michael didn't think that they had messed with the vanilla. Mm-hmm. But either way. We got some pretty good ones. We got a good starting point. Yeah, exactly. No, he got one fantastic deer. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good deer this year on camera, along with some other good bucks. Um, but, yeah, well, so you kind of – y'all started messing around with some of the cameras and putting them out. And now what? let me ask, what were y'all kind of focusing on? Because, again, after talking to Josh and kind of his thoughts on putting trail cameras, you know, he puts a lot of things over water sources and stuff like that. But uh, what did y'all kind of do at first? Well, first – the first thing that I think we were looking at was kind of ease of access. So, like, where we could get through and, like, run them quick. Because we were, like, putting so many out in, in such, like, a wide area uh, that we were having to, like, drive between every camera, basically. So, for me at least, I was like, let's find stuff right off the road that we can just drive by and we can, like, hop out and have it checked within two minutes. So, we put a couple right next to the road. And then also another thing is places where... Michael had seen rubs in the early season of last year, like opening weekend where he was seeing fresh rubs where they were clearly hanging out um, that time of year. Um, areas where that aren't as thick, uh, like for bedding too. That's another thing we focused on because um, they're in velvet and the thought is like they don't want to be in that thick stuff and screw up their antlers. So like a little bit, little bit more spaced out, not as thick as we would be like actually hunting, but still thick cover. It's like kind of open, kind of where you put your camera in, that kind of stuff. That's where, and that's where we got the bucks on camera. It's yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, okay. Awesome. So y'all went in, put some cameras kind of close to the road, just kind of as a little starting point. And l- let me ask this, because I've always thought about this. Okay. So you run cameras close to the road. What is your thought process if you're putting it something close to the road is it on a travel is a major travel corridor there is i mean it's not necessarily a food source i mean what would it be that you know you want to put a camera you know closer to the road uh, for ease of access i mean you're not just like sticking in a random spot yeah the first one went in a spot where this this road runs on a ridge top and you got some short pines off your left side and on the ridge top and i had scouted in there previously and I walk, when I was coming back up the hill to the truck, I cut like a big deer trail running across the side of the ridge, like 50 yards down off of the road, off the side. So that was the first one, just a big deer trail coming out of some pines. That one didn't get anything on it. Um, then the next one was uh, basically like a, so you got like a cutover and there's like a draw that comes up through this cutover and almost touches the road. And there's always tracks right there, always mm. tracks right there. Like during deer season, during summer, when me and Michael were setting the cameras, there was like four deer standing right there in that general area. So that one was just like, it's not, if you looked at it on the map, it's not necessarily a good travel corridor. Like I don't really know why they walked through that one spot so much, but there's always tracks there. So we put one there and we got one doe on camera who we scared the living <laughs> <laughs> you scared that thing. She like, I put it on video, and I, I don't know if it makes noise or what, but she freaking whipped her head around. I was just, I think that camera, uh, I think, uh, yeah, we got to talk about that because that was funny. It really, it makes, that's a good thing to talk about is, is how to place your cameras, especially in areas that uh, the trail could be close to the, where the camera is located. Because I think Michael said that camera used, it's like a, uses a strap. It doesn't use like a bungee cord, right? Yeah. So, I think one thing that he was talking about is possibly the strap was 
moving because it was a very windy day when that doe came through. And, dude, she wasn't having it. Dude, she did not like that thing. <laughs> she saw it. And I, actually, you know what? She was she was smelling the vanilla now that I think about it because I put the vanilla on that little longleaf pine she was right next to. And it's like you could tell she was trying to check that out. But she saw the camera and she's like, whoa, what is that thing? And she's like, she's like checking it out of the corner of her eye. And then it, I guess it moved or something. And she just Dude, she pulled. She, she pulled a Bridger. Dude, she ran. I mean, like tail tuck, just ran. And then she came back, stared at it for a second, and ran again. I was like, let's pull that camera out. Yeah, <laughs> not in a good spot. Not in a good spot. No, but I mean, it was super windy today. It wasn't on a, a very big tree, but no. Yeah, I'm sure it probably looked kind of weird, especially eye level with her, like fairly yeah, close. That's one thing because there's like this little group of trees that they had to like walk around, and I kind of thought about it when I put it out, but I didn't really care. It's like when they walk around, that camera's like right there in their face, you know. I which thought, I've had problems with before. That, that brings up a topic. I I was thinking about this uh, when I was hanging my cameras yesterday, and I, I'm curious. There's a company out there that makes like this little. The best way to describe it, it's a ghillie suit for a camera. But what is kind of kind of break up the outline of all the camera? No, but I thought about getting like the hot glue gun and just doing your own version of just like making. You know, kind of that square body kind of disappear a little bit more. It's make, not a bad idea. Yeah, and just make—I mean—in hot glue gun, it's not gonna—it's not gonna tear anything up. I mean, don't put it on the sensor, don't put it on the lens, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But put it on the outside edge of it. And I wonder how much that would kind of make it kind of just blend in and not have like those real sharp edges to it. You know? Yeah, that probably also, help and, with theft and too. Will also take off any kind of shine or anything like that, maybe. Yeah. Uh, by having something break it up, I don't know. I'm I'm really interested in trying something out like that. I saw one guy. I don't know if it was on the running gun page or what. Um, that he, I think he hot glue like a big piece of bark, and he actually cut out on like think of like a big piece of bark. Oh, that's smart. And he cut out the lens, and he cut out the sensor, and he like hot glued it onto his camera. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Oh, dude. That's great. That's a good way. I feel like if I did that, I'd lose my camera. Well, well, see, my thing is, if I ever see a trail camera, a lot of times I don't necessarily see the camera. I see the strap, especially if someone's using a strap. Because the strap, no matter what you do, it stands out. Yeah. Like, even if it's wrapped around, like you just see that, that, that the coloration change. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, is there anything that you can do to camouflage a strap? And this is kind of going like off into the weeds. But <laughs> I, I don't know what you could do to, I don't know, do something with the strap to make it kind of disappear whether you know i don't know i don't know if you could like uh if it's on a pine tree you could probably like bust off some scales and like kind of stick them over no no no. well i was thinking like something else is in like maybe not like painting it but like maybe taking like a sharpie doing something just to give it a more of a three-peat break that like horizontal exactly yeah 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 exactly um but anyways just when it comes to the, the theft issue but yeah, for the deer and everything, I think getting a hot glue gun, do a little arts and craft on the <laughs> on the cameras, and we're you know we're not using super expensive cameras anyways, um, and then getting some kind of like felt or some kind of uh you know yarn or something that can kind of break up the outline of it, you know, kind of using those neutral colors that would be freaking cool. So that would be that might be a little project coming up. Uh, yeah, since it's got like I think five other cameras I got to put out, I just didn't have enough SD cards. That's always the problem. <laughs> yeah, the third camera we put out. We put out in a really random spot, but Michael had seen deer there. We've all seen deer there over the years, which I'll have to I'd have to show it to you. I'm not even going to try to explain it, but uh, we've all seen deer here on the side of the road over the years. Um, and we put it on a trail. There's like a pond down there, and there's a trail coming up from that pond that crosses the road. Uh, and I mean, it's out in some pretty open, I mean, real open pines. Uh, but 
like Michael seen deer there, so we put one there, and I don't think he got anything on that. Then the good camera, the good camera is right right next to where I killed my buck, uh, or is like pretty close to where I killed it. Same same like uh, pine stand, and we just walked down this little road, popped off in the woods, walked about five yards, and there's the trail like cutting around the the knob of this ridge, just like kind of wrapping around the the knob of it, and uh, it just like it looked like a deery area already like there's big trails cutting through there and it just looked like a place where it's like yeah this is this is nice because it, it was like those pines they're not suit there's good underbrush there's blackberries in there uh so it's like briary it's pretty thick but it's not like uh it's not like a high stem count where there's like a ton of like little saplings and limbs everywhere the underbrush is like underbrush. It's not like saplings, basically. So I feel like a deer could walk through it pretty easily and not have his antlers getting caught up in crap while he's in velvet. So that one is the one that the big buck was on. Like the biggest buck, I guess. Um, and then the last one was in like a little hardwood drainage off the road. Like actually in the hardwoods on a logging road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had, I think, two or three different bucks on that one. So... I mean, they all had, like, a purpose to where they were. The logging road was, I think they were walking the logging road, but also it was where the logging road crossed a drainage. Mm. And it was at the very bottom of that drainage. Uh, And I think those deer, from the pictures, it looked like they were probably walking the logging road. So all of them them were in places. It was mainly focused on just travel, like where one's probably just going to be walking anyways. We didn't put any of them on food or anything like that. Well, I guess when you think of food, some of that cover has so much good food in there. I mean, kind of... You know, they're just hanging out in it. Exactly. I mean, there's this, especially like where I was, I was like, dude, they're eating everything in here. And yeah. you could see the brows on, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but there was like noticeable brows where you could like follow the trails and they had everything just like mowed down. Um, but, uh, so, but so y'all were able to check cameras. And I mean, I know you still have one camera out that we haven't checked that I think you put out right yeah. after or right before Josh's episode. Yeah. Um, that, yep. That's that, right. I put it out the day before we interviewed yeah. Josh. It's it's in the area that is code name Arizona or something, New yep. Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be exciting. Kind of maybe see what's going on there. I don't know. Are you going to check that anytime soon? Or? Yeah, I really need to get it this week. I might try to go get it tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, just because I really, first of all, I really want to see what's on it. But two, I'm afraid that like I said it weird because I don't know something about it. I feel like the camera might have like turned a weird way because the bad storm came through and i was like because ah. it was kind of sketchy the way i set the camera like on the tree yeah but it's I, my strap was messed that, up that brings up a good good point so i was going back through some of my old sd cards from my trail cameras uh from one of those cameras i had up in tennessee and had uh on that little private parcel i had on the south side of nashville that had a bunch of like really 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 good deer and it was the one that got fried so i had this <laughs> this is a funny story for everybody out there i had a uh wild game innovation and i forgot the model but it had like a side closure to it um where it had like this big side latch that was like on the right hand side that all you had to do is just you know pop it from the back uh, the back side and the whole thing opens up well i had it there on video mode and caught the video of these this bachelor group coming through and one of the really good bucks, this good eight point, still in velvet, come smell the camera and somehow with his antler, or maybe his, I don't think it was his mouth, his antler, undo the side oh, of the camera I remember this. and it swings open and you see the camera just like move and like is now looking <laughs> the opposite direction and you can see like the velvet like on the camera because he's like you know molesting my camera at the time and then a rainstorm came through and completely fried that sucker because uh, i put brand new batteries in it 
uh, a couple days ago, um, and I was messing with it. I was like, man, why won't this thing turn on? And I was like, oh, I totally remember. I went and saw the video again. I was like, yep, <laughs> fried it. But anyways, um, yeah, that's actually a really big deal. I mean, when you put in the camera, making sure it's in a place that, um, you know, hopefully the deer don't get too close to it. I was messing around, and this is something for people that are putting cameras out. You need to test it at the house, and for the reason why, see if it makes any noise. Like, when it yes. clicks... Tascos make noise for sure. So I've got a couple stealth cams. I can't remember the model, um, but they on on photo mode for sure make a click sound. And I was like, okay, I'm not putting that thing anywhere close to a trail, uh, at least on on uh, on camera mode or on photo mode. Now on video mode, it's it's silent, quiet, no no issue at all. Like you can't even hear it going off, uh, which is nice. But that is something. For sure, if you're about to put cameras out this summer, uh, make sure you try that out and see if it does make any noise. Because uh, I've heard some that, like, when they shudder, it shudders hard. Yeah. And you're like, oh, goodness. And then, you know, you get a photo of, like, a buck, especially if you have a burst mode. Like, one one photo, he's, like, cool. Next he's photo, like, he, he's, like, jumping. And the next photo, it's, like, just the hind end of the deer as he's running off. Oh, yeah, dude. So. Definitely. Hey, but, Bridger. My dog just ran in here. Hey, bud. You going to come in here and be a turd and start barking? Start rattling in the background. Yep. So, yeah, that's something I've got burned on in the past is uh, putting it on video mode. And I don't know how they sense it or whatever, but one time, the first time I ever put a camera on video mode is like some Moultrie camera. Mm-hmm. I put it on video, and I had that, that big 10-point that Colton found dead. Mm-hmm. Um, that buck, I got him on camera, and uh, he was walking through with another buck, like a big fork, and they got, like, right in front of the camera, and it turned on, and it was on for, like, a second. And they, this is broad daylight. This is, like, 11 a.m. And they both whip their freaking heads around and stare at that camera for a second, and then both of them take off. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. So. I mean, you got you got to test it, because that's something that, again, I noticed. I was like, okay, it's, it just now gives me a different perspective on where I need to set cameras up, especially if I do have something on photo mode or on burst mode. Um, make sure I have it far enough off the trail or like also do it at a higher elevation. Don't do it at, you know, eye level. Yeah. For the right deer. in their face. Because Especially if the trail's like coming past your camera mm-hmm. and they got to walk like right there and basically stare at it, you know, as they're walking, that could be a bad, that could be a bad situation for sure. Yeah. That, that seems actually, well, that's something that we were looking at, uh, when we scouted with Michael the other day. Let's talk about that spot. That spot oh, gets me fired up. I, I forgot all about that. Oh, yeah, we dude. can duck, go down the rabbit hole yes. on that, dude. So we're going in chronological order here. Yeah, we are. Good point. And except for at the end, I guess we'll probably talk about Wyoming because we drew our tags. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so Monster whitetails. I'm so oh, excited. Son. It's about to be bad for them deer out there. <laughs> <laughs> so we went scouting with Michael. That spot was uh, dude, mm, dynamite. That spot's jam up, son. Oh. <sighs> There's so many good things about that spot. It's like it's got the it's got the cover, and you know, okay. So something about Troy's episode, this because this is like a kind of a recap of these other episodes that we've done, mm-hmm. and kind of how we're applying it and starting noticing that things that like Troy talked about and Josh talked about. Yes. Um, and one thing that you brought up while we're in that spot, and I'll let you kind of give a little more information as much as you want to. Okay. Um, when you stepped into where all the deer sign was, it was a much lower light. Yes. Area like there was more this like the shade cover. And again, when Troy was talking about that, I was like, I, I didn't really, I mean, I kind of understood what he was talking about, but I was like, okay. And we stepped in there. I was like, I see exactly what he's talking about. Yes. Yes, dude. Oh, it's, it's one of those things that you've been seeing forever, but y- you don't register it because you don't know, like to look for it. Mm-hmm. It's like before you know what like a persimmon is and you're like, what are these things? And you figure out what it is. And then 
and you see them all over the place. Or muscadine vines. Or muscadines or, or whatever else. But yeah, we got to set the stage for this spot. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have history with this spot. All right. We Bucks there last year. Glass and Bucks all summer there last year. Kept seeing this bachelor group over and over and over and over again. We, we kept seeing deer there last year. Michael hunted at opening day and saw one or two bucks. Mm-hmm. He saw I think he saw one of the nice ones. Um, and then I don't think we really ever hunted it again because that's what we do. Uh, we, I never we, hunted we, it. We find deer and then we don't hunt them Yep, because that's effective. Um, that's something we need to fix this year. You want to talk about a problem that has become glaring and apparent over the last couple of years? We find these great spots and then we never hunt them. It's like, why don't we ever hunt them? Anyways, um... So, we have history. We kept seeing these bucks last year bail off the back side of this area. Area. Mm-hmm. Pine pine stand. Young pines, like, four to six inches in diameter. Yeah. Maybe 15 feet tall mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, 15 foot tall pines. Pretty open underneath, like, grassy, like, kind of waist-high grass. Not many briars. It's not too bad. Um, but they're in there. And they're in there in the summertime. And they kept going to the back side of this. So there's like a, it's like a big knob. It's like a big hill that comes down and they would cut, they would be on our side of it. And then whenever they spooked or whenever they just walked off, they'd usually walk and wrap around the back side. So we're like, where are they going? On the topo map, it's like a freaking hill goes up. I mean, it's steep and it shoots right up to that habitat edge where those pines meet the hardwoods or they're not even hardwoods. They meet more pines, but they're like mature pines. So that's where we went into, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. We got off the back side of it, got out of the truck, and, and like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna dive on in here. And we I, walked twenty five yards, and we're like, Holy okay, okay listen, you under exact. Listen, guys, okay, let me tell you something about Andrew. We're about to have a come to Jesus moment, as my mom would say. Mm-hmm. All right, so no, it's tw- the, we're measuring it right now. Okay, you measure it right now. Right, so me, Andrew, out of Andrew has a horrible. Horrible, which is ironic because I map stuff for a living. I know has a horrible habit of under uh, exaggerating how far something is. Okay, about two hundred yards. Yeah, when we were up in Kentucky, there was a point when we went in uh, almost almost a mile in and looking at the map entries, like I think it's two hundred yards in while we're hunting with Kevin Murphy uh, last year, and uh, I'm never gonna live it down. Yeah, never ever again. Uh, let's measure this. Oh man, that is more twenty yards is like right here, bud. Andrew, listen, guys. Andrew under exaggerates. I'm looking at it right now. You're probably looking at 150 plus. Bull crap. Okay, it, it, okay. It's listen. All right, we parked about right here. Yep. Walk to right there. 70. 72. Okay. So, okay. You're, so we're you're wrong. Hey, you're hey, just hey. as wrong as I. Listen, am. I over exaggerate. You under exaggerate. Whatever. Take it in the middle. The, perfect. The excitement. I was. I just. <laughs> I ran down there like a little kid. You did. Running to the playground. I was so excited. It felt like 20 yards. <laughs> Anyways. So this is why you, <laughs> this is why you put a lot of arrows below the deer's feet. <laughs> okay, keep uh, going. Okay, uh, actually, that is Andrew does not own this. Andrew does not own a rangefinder, by the way. Yeah, so I don't need it. I just eyeball it. He hunts traditional. Okay, so going. walk off the backside of this mm-hmm. instantly. Find deer sign. Oh yeah, instantly. As soon as we hit the habitat edge, there it is. Yep, bunch of stuff. There's turds upon turds in this area. There's so much deer crap. It's yeah. everywhere. Just sprinkled as though some, it's like a like a flower girl came through there sprinkling deer turds. Yeah, and, 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 and you'd call it. Like, would that be a hard or soft edge? I guess it'd be. It's a hard. Ooh, I don't. Know. It's a hard edge. It's definitely a hard edge. Okay. Because you don't have like a slight. Tra- you don't have. There's no transition between the mature timber. And well, the pines. a lot of people think of hard edges as like a 
cut over, like a clear cut, mm-hmm. and then standing timber. Or like a field in standing timber. That would be like a hard edge. Yeah. So you said, you, okay, hard edge. All that's, right. a, that's a hard edge. Okay, it's a hard edge. I like it. Uh, like a soft edge would be like a field where... CR, and then CRP. And then CRP. And then a buffer timber. Strip. Yeah. That's a soft edge. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, think oh. of it. Think of it like a like a curve on a graph. Like if it's real steep, it's a hard edge. If it's real gradual, it's a soft edge. Beautiful demonstration. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. Real, All right. I'm get, I'm so we good dive. We dive off the backside, and instantly, like we are in at least a I spot mean, that dude, they are comfortable. Big in. trails cutting through here. Big, big trails. trails. We're like, this is definitely where they were going last year. Them and probably a whole heap of does in there. Yeah, for There's sure. There's probably a bunch of does. So. Um, Instantly find rubs. I think I found one scrape in well, there. Well, well, and a bed. Well, one of the first things we find is a big bed. Giant bed. Like, just hop over, and it's right at that, tra- that, that high terrain edge, yep. which is what Josh Driver would talk about. Yep. That high terrain edge, and there is a bed perfectly positioned there with, you can see the exit trails. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see how he's coming in on it. I mean, it, it's a big bed. Big, big bed. bed. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the spot. <laughs> Mwah. Michael put a camera on the bed, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he wanted to get it really close. I was, and we we finally were able to position. He was able to position it to a pine tree that was probably eight yards or so away, just trying to give it a little more distance and uh, pretty high up a tree and kind of on at an angle. Yeah, so it wouldn't be looking right at it. Well, he's looking. Yeah, exactly. But and well, one thing that was really special about the bed. Remember, so we're sitting down in there. And he wanted to put it out on this tree that's closer to it and cut a limb. And sitting down in there, kind of knowing where it's facing, how the sun comes up, you could tell that buck was sitting there because of that tree in front of him. How much? Sh- oh, yes. Yeah. How much shade it was putting down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. That's a great point. So this bed right there, like it laid down a ton of shade because like he's he's laying there and there's a there's a tree there's this like a younger tree right in front of him. I can't remember what it was. I don't know what it was, but it's probably four inches in diameter maybe. Yeah. But it was tall, real and it tall, came up, tons of. A- Big limb that came off. Yep. Like a big, real brushy limb that came out right over top of the bed. And Michael was starting to put a camera up where we're like, well, let's cut this limb off right here so the camera can like see it. And then you're like, wait, the limb's probably why he's sitting here. And I literally let, like sit down in the bed. I'm like, that's exactly like, because I know exactly where East is. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that is exactly why this one reason this bed's right here is because that limb completely covers him for probably like the first like four hours Dude, of daylight. I was impressed. I was so jealous when you pointed that out. I'm like, dang it. I wish I'd noticed listen, that. Listen, y'all, y'all. That was impressive. Listen, y'all, 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 y'all don't give me enough credit. Jacob right? the Woodsman. Listen. Dude, that that was impressive for real. It was it was pretty awesome. But the cool thing is, you could tell before we hit, like we even like walked down the side of the like that that drop off right there. You can see where that buck had gone off the backside. Oh yeah, like there you could see the tracks. And this is a drop off. Okay, this bed is like it's right there on it's on the edge. It's like mm-hmm. a little little tiny knob, like the size of like a car hood. Yeah, and yeah. he's laying right there on it. And it drops. I mean, good. Like, you could take a running start, and you could jump way off this hill. But definitely, I feel like this is a summer, early season bed. Oh, for sure. Because there's not enough cover. Like, the second leaves drop, it's going to be something I don't think they're going to use. Mm-hmm. Not right yeah. there. I, I totally agree. I think they're going to migrate across the valley to the younger pines a little yep. bit more. Yeah. But anyways, that's kind of beside the point. But this area right here, and, and another thing about this edge is, again, these pines are real open because i mean pines just themselves as far as sunlight goes when i say open i'm talking about sunlight the pines are pretty they let a lot of sunlight in and so that's why you have that understory so when you hit those 
uh, more like the deciduous trees right, right there on the edge, all the hardwoods and then some mature pines. Mm-hmm. They shade everything out. So there's really no, there's a decent understory there for like early season hunting. High stem count. A lot of, lot of saplings in there. Yeah. Not enough to like keep a velvet buck out of it, I don't think. Listen, I, I've got a different th- thought out on that, but I keep going. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't think it matters. Oh, I really okay. don't think it matters. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know how sensitive it is for him. Mm-hmm. But after seeing what I, no, I don't think it's. I don't know either. To be honest with you, yeah. I'm just repeating what I've heard other people say. I keep going. Because uh, okay, so anyways. I'm not trying to derail the conver- conversation. Well, you get in there and it's like so much. So it's cooler and it is a lot darker. Like it's, yes. it's significantly darker yep. in there. And we were there in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, you could definitely tell how much more shaded it was in that cover, how much cooler it was, and and the thermals were working for it. I mean, especially in the morning in that for that spot, you know, thermals are gonna be rising right there, especially as that sun heats that hillside that he's sitting on. Yeah, it's gonna be rising up real hard for him. So he's gonna smell everything below him. Mm-hmm. He can bed, you know, however direct, whatever direction he wants to sit in. Um, it, it is a killer, killer their summer bedding spot. Again, it doesn't get me super excited about you know, come like, you know, late October or anything. Um, but it's a really cool area that there's a ton of deer working that high train edge. And the high train edge that we're talking about is right where the transition from where the, the thick cover is, mm-hmm. uh, meets that more mature cover. And then where it drops off down the hill, that high train edge right there is just a money, money, money spot. I mean, there's trails cutting, I mean, horizontally huge, but trails. also trails cutting up that stuff, which was, I mean, impressive oh yeah um and you could tell that there's this a lot of deer in that area and like you said there's just droppings everywhere oh yeah like fresh some fresh some old to to be honest some of it just looking at it if there was an oak tree close by oh my man this would be like some like legit like feed tree oh other than the ground not being tilled and it's a really cool spot because man you could you could come up from the bottom and it's like super steep but there's enough leaves and stuff, enough saplings, and it's steep enough that there's so many leaves between you and the bottom. Mm-hmm. You could you could get forty yards from them, like but how as you far as sight. The problem is climbing a tree. Then climbing a tree, you might. It just depends on if they're. I don't think the majority of the deer are going to be bedded like how that bed was mm-hmm. that we found. I think that they'll be more up on the transition, especially does. But I don't know uh, if you could slip up there because me and Michael were hunting stuff kind of similar to that uh in georgia last year but it was more flat on top it was just as thick but it was flat on top or you know it is thicker but they were bedded all just throughout it in random spots like there's that one day where uh i had a i got 70 yards or so i think it was from a, a bedded buck that I almost killed um i sat there i snuck up there and i just went really 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 slow and it was loud i couldn't help but be loud but i just went really slow got up a tree took my time and then right at dark, he stood up. Like, I heard him stand up and start milling around right there. And he was, I mean, he was within sight of me the entire time. Uh, but he just, like, the cover was tall enough that I couldn't really see him and he couldn't see me. But I think this is similar to that, where I think there's going to be deer bedded all up in this stuff. And as long as you don't get within about 40 yards of them, they're not going to see you getting mm-hmm. up there. You just got to take your time and be don't, quiet. Yeah, don't make any, like, metal sounds. Like, you got to mm-hmm. be dialed in with your system. Oh, for sure. But yeah, that's a it was a definitely a cool spot. It's the kind of spot like where the light is. Like you you ever hunt a spot early season when the leaves are on and you're like down in this bottom and like a really dark place and it starts getting dark and it, it gets dark and you can't shoot anymore, so you get down 
and you walk out and you like hit a cutover or something and you can still kind of see in the cutover like it gets dark like freaking 15 minutes earlier in there mm-hmm. so yeah that was definitely something that troy pointed out that and the access so troy was talking about steep ravines yes and getting up to like for really clean access that screams that kind of tactic this spot does because you can crawl right up that hill you're, you're on all fours like it's that steep but you crawl up that bad boy and you can get in a tree and be like in some cases even below the trails which definitely isn't ideal but you could literally be watching these trails either a little bit below it right at eye level talking getting like 20 feet up a tree or if you really got high up a tree you could be a little bit above them uh, but in the evening when your thermals start dropping, they're, they're not going to smell you. They're not going to cross your, um, like your trail that you walked up on more than likely, because what they're doing is they're either walking right around. They're basically following like they're, a topo they're, line. They're like rim. I guess some people call it like, um, oh gosh, not rim rock. Um, I just totally failed my, oh, drew my, a blank. Yeah. Well, anyways, they're just, they're working, like you said, that topo line, they're coming up, they're hitting that topo line and they're working around it. Okay. Yeah. They're not necessarily going vertically up and down. They're going horizontally right there. At least that's what most of the trails are saying. Now, I'm not saying mm-hmm. a big deer, you know, come the rut's not going to cut those trails going straight up and down. Yeah. Um, but you know, talking early season, yeah, it, it would be killer for access. And again, there is so much cover down there. Uh, in that drainage and kind of working up that super steep hillside, there's so much just like leafy cover. Um, you know, as long as you can get in there and get up on the backside of a tree, uh, you know, quietly, I feel like you could get in a really cool spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really exciting. Definitely helps but, you notice that stuff. With these podcasts mm-hmm. that we've done with Josh and Troy and all the other people in the past, I feel like it. I feel like one thing I'm starting to do is taking individual things that they talk about and kind of focusing on that and trying to figure it out rather than, you know, like Troy's episode was a freaking home dinger. Like it was a long podcast and there's a lot, I mean, a ton of information in it so much that I forgot most of it by the end of it. And I had to listen to it again. And even then it's like, it's hard to take in that much information, you know, in a day. So it's like, take one thing Troy talked about, figure it out and then do the next thing. It's like eating an elephant one bite at a time, you know? So, I think that the whole light thing, I think that I know what he's talking about now. So now, I'm going to go try and find me a big old scrape. Now, that, that also goes hand in hand. Talking about that, that light with the aged pines that we're finding the deer in. You know, especially like later in the season. Oh, yeah. Like that light. I mean, you know, there are, there are pockets where there is quite a bit of sun coming through. But it is still fairly shaded in that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's not as uh, it's not as shaded as like a bottom is. Correct. Yes. But again, hey, they love moving in it, so that's 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 a win win right there. Uh, but yeah, anyways, that spot we're talking about, we actually got it pulled up on the map here. Uh, it is really really interesting. Um, and again, it was kind of cool to get those perspectives and and find some of that science and that old uh, rubs and, and you know rut sign, but also kind of see all those trails how they're kind of working that. Which, again, to me gives me a better idea of like, especially in some of these areas where it's fairly steep. How deer are using that? Mm-hmm. You know how they're cutting trails, which kind of applies a little bit later on. But after that, I'm trying to think what else did y'all do? Has you haven't been back out since then, have you? No, no, I haven't. That was the last time I scouted. 
Man. Then you went out and stole all the thunder. Oh, dude. Yeah, so I went out. Uh, you haven't even told me about this. No, no. You were saving it for this podcast. I know. Mike was like, man, why are you holding it out on me? He's like, if I found a 200-inch deer, I, I'd let you know. I'm like, I gotta, I'll save it for the podcast. I'll call you afterwards, <laughs> man. Oh, geez. Anyway, but uh, it was awesome. And really what kind of what all kind of happened. So Saturday I had to work uh, midday with a family of mine and uh, was able to get off. And when I got home, it was so freaking hot. It was like 94, 93, something like that. Oh, man, I'm I like, got so freaking burned on Saturday. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you were floating. I floated the river, the Cahaba River. By the, by the way, did y'all do pretty good? Yeah, we caught a bunch of – Clay caught way more bass than was I that, did. Was that Clay? Yeah. Oh, I was wondering who that man, was. Clay, yeah, dude, Clay tore them up. Clay caught some nice ones. Um, Yeah, we kept a bunch of bass. I ate bass. Sorry if that oh, – How many did y'all keep? How many did y'all get? Total. <laughs> I don't know how many we caught. I only caught four. I think he caught six, and we kept like seven of them or something like that. Okay, seven just, or eight. Let's make sure then. Okay, gotcha. limits ten. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm within the law. I'm just double. <laughs> hey, listen, just double checking. It's it's pretty good. That, what I've noticed about not just like the Cahaba River, but any like flowing river, mm-hmm. um, is I seem to do better when the flow is up and there's faster moving water. And most of the fish that we were catching was in the faster moving water and mm-hmm. like the rapids. Mm. So it's just like deer hunting. You don't want to hunt. The, you don't want to fish the pretty water. You need to get <laughs> in the turbulent mess. That's where the fish are. <laughs> but for real though, I actually I was hey. legit thinking about that. That's such like a terrible cheesy analogy no, or whatever. But. Actually, I had the same thing happen to me today. <laughs> so dude, we're out there fishing the Black Warrior River, and I was. You know, this, uh, one of my uncles are like, oh, yeah, we're not catching anything out in the open water. It's all by the weeds. I'm like, dude, it's just like deer. They want to stay in the thick cover, man. Dude, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like, It applies to a lot of species. Oh, it, yeah. It really does. I, we we hadn't caught a fish yet. We had floated a good ways and hadn't caught a fish, and Clay's like, it ain't looking good. And we get to these shoals, and it's pretty steep shoals, and, like, the water's moving pretty good. And uh, right in the middle of them, there's, like, this big pool like a big eddy right there and i was like oh i'm about to catch one so i threw i threw across that and dude i got right in the middle and it was like bam i was like yeah let's get it son (laughs) (laughs) and then we started we started catching a pretty decent amount but yeah dude all the all the fish all this all the bass that Mm -hmm. we were catching i'm sure you could catch them in the open water i just suck at fishing but in those little turbulent pools man that's where they were. They, they just hit whatever's coming down. Yeah, and and plus, I think it maybe it has something to do with like they don't have that much time to like see yeah, what yeah, they're eating. Yeah, it, it's a quick bite. They're oh, like, yeah. if they're hungry, they're gonna hit it. Oh, it's it's mean. It's yeah. aggressive when they hit it like that. But yeah, uh, it's the same way with deer. Man, can't fish that pretty water. That pretty flat water, dude. I floated a section. You could put my John boat in it with your motor on it, and you could run a couple miles. Mm. Like it was like that. It was like nine feet deep or something. Uh, I couldn't touch the bottom of the paddle. I was like, "Dang, I should have a John boat." It sucks paddling on this flat water. And we're way off. T- we're way off subject now. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, oh, oh yeah, my, I got super scouting. sunburned, and then you scouted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, it it all kind of started. I was kind of getting all my cameras set up and dialed in uh, that afternoon, and you know it was so hot. I'm like, I'm just gonna go to the last like two hours or so. Uh, you know, get out there around like five o'clock and or five thirty, and scout the dark. And I was torn where I wanted to go. I really was. You know, there was a spot that you had mentioned about like, hey, this would be a cool place for you to check out behind a certain thing that we were going to go fishing. And okay. Oh, 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 yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah. so I was thinking about like going over there and uh, I was talking to our guest for next week on the phone, uh, who's going to be a good one, guys. Just going to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I was talking to him and 
I pulled over and I was like, you know what? After I got the phone with him, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to someplace I haven't been in a long time, like in a specific area. Oh, reliable. It, when, when I first started hunting this place, there was this one spot I went to and consistently was on deer. And uh, because of like this kind of the, the habitat and everything, it kind of grew up and it made it very difficult to hunt that spot. Well, it's still thick, but it got to the point where I think I could punch through some of it. And there were some drainages kind of going up in that area. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to punch into one of those drainages that I've been wanting to go to for about three seasons now and just see what it looks like. You know, I got a couple cameras in my bag. I'm going to try to go see if I can find, you know, any old rut sign from last year, just to kind of get an idea, it, you know, if there's a lot of possible does in the area that the bucks are kind of coming through checking. But also, uh, just see if I can find any fresh sign kind of that would make sense to put cameras over. And, uh, dude, I punched through, and those pines are probably, I don't know how old they are, because I'm thinking when I first started hunting that, probably, oh, goodness, first year I hunted, that was, 2014 so six years ago they were probably eight foot tall then um so i don't know they're probably three or four years old at that time um but now you know they're they're decent enough size i mean i don't know if you could really hunt out i was thinking about that when i was walking through i was like crap i find a good spot in here i don't know i don't know if you can really get up much in a tree i mean if you you could it might be like six seven feet at the most maybe um that ghillie suit on for sure and to be honest you probably need to be hunting out of a I guess you kind of the saddle almost would want to like have a stand all brushed in or something. Yeah. Um, but I mean, anyway, I mean, last year where you remember where I saw those seven bucks in one spot when me and Mark hunted near where you shot that 10 point. Oh yeah. Yeah. So in there, there was such a, there was a Mac daddy of a trail in that place, two trails that came together, huge scrapes. And it was two, both of the mature bucks we saw that day were on that trail. And there's this one little longleaf pine that, like, I'd be bowing that joker over if I got in it. But I could get in it with the saddle. And I was, like, at home. I was trying to get Tiffany to, like, somehow make me, like, a, I remember like saying sew that. me a ghillie suit with, like, pine needles in it. I'm like, you think you can do this? She's like, maybe. I never did it, but I still want to do that. Yeah. Get, get me a pine needle ghillie suit and get up in one of these little old pines. You need to, this is off a side, side note, but you need to try to get, find some artificial pine needles. Oh, yeah, don't use real ones. They just fall. I don't listen. I'm full of them. <laughs> I'm not trying. To Where do you get artificial up. pine needles? I'm sh- oh, Hobby Lobby or someplace. I guarantee you can find them. Hundred hundred percent. Hey, any anybody? No, but who's dude, got you, a wife or a girlfriend who likes Hobby Lobby probably hates it as much as I. Do. Yeah, but listen, you could actually that would be another cool arts and craft. There you go, arts and craft. The uh, Southern Outdoorsman arts and craft minute. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, you could do that. I, that would be like extreme whitetail tactics, getting up in like a five inch diameter pine tree, like seven dude, feet think up. Think about it, man. You could probably kill some freaking deer. Who's doing that? Like who is doing that? I don't even buy around Nobody. here. Nobody. It's sketchy. You ain't taking. You ain't putting a climber on it. I'll tell but you it's that. It's like it's like at this point, it's like well, the freaking deer are in there. There's no doubt they're in there. Okay. So, All right. We got a project. Let's do it. I, th- I think that would be cool. I, I would be a hundred percent down. The biggest thing is you you would the the biggest problem is you would have to set up in a way where they're coming on your strong side with your bow. If you're mm-hmm. if you're in a saddle, if you're in a stand, well, he's still strong side. You want the least amount of movement possible because you are not going to be high up. Yeah. And you need to be super, super duper camouflaged. The face mask, gloves, the whole nine yards, looking like you're part of that pine tree. Yeah, definitely. Um, Dude, I feel like going and hunting like in those pines like that would be like the southeastern equivalent of like what Dan Infault does out in the marsh. Out in the marsh, yeah. where he like goes and gets like in a just stupid spot out in the marsh, like a tiny tree or like on a step ladder, and like everyone's like, "Whoa, nobody's ever done that." 
Or at least no one's ever talked about it on the internet or something. That's a really good point. That's yeah. an excellent point. I think, dude, I think. Man. I would be 100. Like, dude, that spot I found, listen, 100% would want to try to do that there. This is like my dilemma. Because with all the scouting and all the hunting that we've done and all the learning and the combined information that we share with each other and with all our buddies who we hunt with, it's like, they're in the dang pines. That's They live in there. They're not – that's where they are. So how to go after them. How do we get like, – without, without using a pack of dogs. Man, I still want to I still want to try deer dogs. I want to try that one day. Just go, go on a deer drive with dogs. I think that would be a blast. Anyways, but yeah. Like how do you how how can I get in there, not bump them, mm-hmm. but they're gonna be moving in there for sure. It's just like I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's a, it's a whole risk versus reward thing because because when you're when you're narrowing down on an area like we're doing here, it's like gosh, I'm like kind of afraid to go up you, in there. You could hunt in them where I where I was at. Mm-hmm. So kind of going back to that. So I decided to go to this spot. I've never been to this one drainage. I've gone to another drainage, you know, in the same area, but not this one. And it's just really skinny and, you know, parked the truck, uh, had to hike quite a bit down the road to kind of get in position and uh, was able to punch through uh, and, and kind of get into the pines. And I was so amazed. The second I popped through them, I was like, okay, first off, this is a little bit more open than I thought it was going to be. Uh, there were places that had a ton of like um, uh, honeysuckle and I don't know whatever. It wasn't muscadine. It was some other vine that was like choked out. And like from the road, you were like, there. this is in penetrable uh, but i found one spot i could squeeze through pop through and it kind of opened up a little bit and there's trails cutting everywhere and throwback to i think was it episode 125 with adrian farley yes when he's talking about killing bucks barely far enough off the road to be legal like not like he's trying to do it but that's they're sticking that close to the road i found that dude i found the faintest trail that you could tell deer were working not you know 10, 15 yards into the pines, working parallel with the road, cutting because there's a bunch of trails going across the road. Yeah, and there, it's just cutting across all that, dude. Oh, uh, but and, cruising right, those trails, right in that little thick spot, smelling for ladies. And I was like, oh man, like, this screams uh, Adrian Farley. Oh man, uh, which that's a really good episode, guys. You need to go, look, yeah. go try to listen to that episode one twenty five. Um, but I started pushing through a little bit farther, and it's like when I, when I think of open, my version of open is other people's versions of thick. Mm-hmm. Like hundred percent. So when I guys, if I say open, it, it, it's not like a hardwood flat. It is like pines. You can see in some spots twenty yards. Yeah. Okay. That's open. Um, and I'm kind of like working down, and I only go probably 30, 40 yards, and I hit what looks to be like an, a really old possible logging road. And when they logged it, that was going like left to right in front of me, and I kind of hit it uh, right in the middle. Kind of t-boned it. Exactly. And when, right when I hit there, dude, I'm like all the deer trails just like merged. Like you could see trails working down that road in like there's trees planted there. There, It's not like a, it's cut out, but it's trees planted. There's grass growing everywhere. Like it's not an actual, like you couldn't take a four wheeler or anything down there. It's it's still thick. But anyways, all these trails merged right there. It's like, man, this is a killer spot. Were there scrapes running down that logging road? I didn't walk down the road much. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I didn't see any right there, but I was looking for them because I was like, this would be a perfect spot. But, what I actually posted on the Instagram video, the last camera I actually put out right there. So I came back to it when I was coming back out. But just on the other side of where that old logging road is, that's, I mean, everything's just grown up. I mean, all these pines are, again, you know, probably, you know, five, six inches in diameter. On the back side of that is just a wall of vines. And th- I'm talking impenetrable. Nasty. I'm talking like the deer weren't punching through it. Okay. And I was like, this 
is that subtle habitat edge that you can't see on the map because you cannot see it on the map. You cannot see the transition from what I call like semi-open pines, which for a lot of people would be like really thick, like really thick stuff. Like my uncles, if I took them there, like this is thick as crap. I'm like, no, <laughs> keep going. Child, please. Exactly. But on that edge of like the semi-thick pines to I'm talking in penetrable wall of thick cover, which is great because it's funneling the deer. The deer aren't just punching through. They have corridors that are slightly more open that they've kind of, you know, browsed everything down mm-hmm. to be able to go through that stuff i found that corridor just to the left of right where i was walking down and dude it looked like four or five deer trails just merging to one point and then going into that thick stuff i was like oh son and that's <laughs> actually where i did the first video i'm walking through dude, it's it, it goes from again i call semi-open pines to then pines with like saplings uh like sweet gun saplings and uh blackberry bushes just i mean thorns everywhere uh i mean just this really really nasty cover and i pu- i keep going through it. i'm kind of working down this trail and i mean it's a trail but i'm like go- i'm like going under freaking briars i'm pushing stuff out of the way i mean i'm torn up dude arms are bleeding at that time and i finally get to where i can kind of start to see like I-, I can see a white oak in front of me like at five yards and this stuff like dude you can't see more than like five yards that's my kind of thing. and like you couldn't shoot pure like the deer could be five yards from me even with a rifle, good luck. About a forty-five seventy. Okay, maybe might be a punch through that. <laughs> oh, brush gun. Yeah, yeah. three hundred grain bullet, <laughs> freaking flat nose. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but anyways, finally popped through into the the head of that draw, and it was just like, you know, like aha moment. Like there's like one fantastic size, probably you know, fourteen, sixteen inch in diameter, uh, wide oak right there. That just sits in a perfect spot right next to that thick cover. The head of that draw, though, what I found out, the head of the draw, the deer aren't necessarily going directly into the head of the draw. They're kind of coming at it at an angle. Like if you were looking, if the draw was uh, running north to south, the deer are coming at a 45-degree angle either from like the northeast or from the northwest coming to it. They're not coming straight from the Mm north-south because it's so thick. It's like a wall. Yeah. Which is awesome because it allows you, if you were going to hunt that, you could sit there at the head of that draw with your scent blowing from this, from uh, in this description, to be blowing from the south, and they're gonna be coming from your sides, so they're gonna have the wind in their face, coming uh, from like your right and from your left. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly like what Troy was talking about. Okay. I hit that, and I'm like, it opens up. There's deer. I mean, by the way, there's deer sign all in here. There's droppings everywhere, like everywhere. The second I hit the timber from was the road, it more than where we scattered with Michael. On par, probably. Yeah, on par, for sure. Um, but it was a lot of fresh stuff. That was, like, the biggest thing. Um, and I started working down the edge, and my goal was I was going to work down the, the left-hand side edge, kind of working that transition down all the way to the end of the draw, to the mouth, mm-hmm. and then come back over there on the other side. Well, I started doing that. started working along, and wasn't finding a bunch of deer sign actually in the drainage. And the drainage isn't steep. It's very, like, very slight. Like, the elevation change might have been – Eight inches, ten inches. It's kind of flat on this ridge. It's yeah, steep going up, and then it plateaus, and it's very flat. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. Well, at the the head of the draw, it's just very subtle. Like nothing's very special. Like there's a slight little drainage going through it. Slight drainage. It goes down, and then it hits that military quest crest. Whoa, quest quest, and then it goes. Yup, drops off. Yep, hard. So, anyway, I start working down it, and. Um, you know, start finding some trails that are across it, but most of the trails I was finding, you can see they're working down the edge of that stuff. And again, this area is, you know, a very high stem count. There's a, there's a lot of, in the drainage is not, but on the edge of the drainage, um, 
and in those pines is a high stem count, uh, sweet gum uh, saplings, uh, along with the pines, uh, and just briars everywhere. That was the biggest thing I noticed. It was like it was viney and thorny, and like we've always talked about, a lot of the guys that we've had on, like find big deer where there's a ton of vines, like super viney areas where it's getting that sunlight to allow vines to grow. For mm-hmm. some reason, I don't know. It's just it's like super thick isolated cover that you know a lot of the bigger deer. Uh, kind of will hold to. Yeah. So I keep working down. I finally get to this one spot uh, after probably going 75 yards and just see there's multiple wide oaks. I'm like, man, this would be a killer early season spot if they actually are dropping. Um, but I hit a spot where I hear something and it's off to my left, kind of like I get, I'm working down the left side of the draw. It's off to my left a little bit. I take another step and all of a sudden it's just a commotion. Just this deer oh, and man. i catch i catch one i see an ear and a right main beam i can't tell how big it was but they just just start barreling down the drainage like down like like side healing just like going straight i was like oh, holy oh, crap man. i'm like okay how right. many of them i don't know it's probably two or three maybe um you didn't see a giant i couldn't t- I, it's so thick dude i mean they were probably 15 yards into that thick stuff oh, um gosh. they weren't actually like actually on the edge um but I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm gonna go check out like close to that general area where they were at, and I start working down there, and all of a sudden I hit this trail that like goes around this fallen tree, and I pop up on the edge, and there is a some stump that was cut that had multiple big shoots coming out that were probably you know like the size of your wrist, destroyed. I mean, rubbed. Like every single, there's probably seven of them. All of them were rubbed. There was a, probably a four inch diameter pine tree there that was shredded from last year. I mean, still like it was like skinned. And then on the probably another five yards past that, there was another pine tree that was just totally skinned. And I was like, son. And I'm looking at my man, there ought to be like a scrape somewhere right here. I couldn't find anything. But they were bedded just past that. Yeah. So, like, you could see that trail that was going towards where their beds were at. It kind of split off uh, at a 45-degree angle uh, from that. Actually, hold on. On the map, let's go over there real quick. I'm going to pull it up. So, Andrew can this get is a nice thing about having – hold on, hold on. Okay. Oh, I got it. Jan- J- this janky MacBook, man. As slow man. as you could possibly do it. Man, you just ain't used to this kind of quality. Okay, perfect. Oh, this is awesome. This Yes, this gets me excited just looking at this. All right. All right, so – I find I find where that all that sign was, and then right there, there there's a ton of fresh tracks and a bunch of droppings right there in that same area where all the rubs were at. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna put a camera here. There was like three or four trails intersecting, and the thing I noticed, especially like when I was coming back out of the draw, right where that all those rubs were, was the thickest part of that draw when it comes to left and right. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other like part, the left side connecting to the right side? Correct. It There was a couple really big pine trees there. That's what Michael Perry talked about. Ah, very good point. So there's a couple really big pine trees there, and one of them or two of them had fallen over, like into the drainage, okay? And this, again, this is very slight. Like the elevation change at this point might be three or four feet change. And it opened up, dude, and it was the viniest. I, I mean, literally looked, I was like, man, this looks like tropical. It was just crazy. Okay. And the, at that point was where the trails started going across the drainage. Like, actually, you could see where they're cutting across, and they had buried, like, a hole going through, like, the vine wall. Yeah. And then they pop out on the other side and keep going. And there was all these intersections. I'm like, I'm going to put a camera here. Put one camera there. It was facing back towards, like, where all the droppings and the, and the rub was, and all the rubs and trails kind of intersected. And then I kept working down, and I'm like, man, it, at that point, there's it's probably a 30 or 40-yard span of just thick crap. I mean, it's just overhanging branches, super green, super viney, stuff that, 
even when it dies back, it's going to be the thickest part in the whole drainage to go across it. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the trails were. I get down from where I put the camera, about probably 10 yards to the right side, looking to the other side of the drainage, is a huge rub. Huge rub right there. And it's facing my side of the drainage. So it looks like he was going across the drainage. He rubbed that tree and kept going. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like his corridor. And I was like, man, this is a sick spot. And I found, I picked a couple trees out that are just money for that. Um, keep working down, keep working down. And then on the left-hand side, I'm, I'm at this point, there was an old logging river that just like popped out of nowhere. It was like very much like what we'd call a like micro terrain. Yeah. Like you can't see it on Onyx or even Caltapo. It's not sensitive enough. Um, but there was like this, you know, old logging road right there that formed like a little bench uh, from like the drainage. And it started getting a little more steeper in elevation. And uh, I, I turned around and was filming. And I, all of a sudden, I look behind this pine tree on the logging road. And I'm like, I see like a main beam and like the Ooh. skull. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I started filming. <laughs> and I was like, guys, I just freaking walked up on this like big dead head. And I come around. And I saw it. I was like, holy crap. And anyways, it what was. A nice one. And it, but he was dead right there. And I was thinking, one thing that I'd noticed going into this area, there was no people sign. N- not even logger sign, like when they came through and cut. Yeah. Nothing. And I'm like, that was something when Troy, kind of going back to some of these episodes, Troy had talked about in his episode that there man, he is. old Bridger <laughs> um, was talking about isolation, like how important isolation is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. That wasn't Troy. That was Josh. I was listening to Josh's episode today. Josh was talking about isolation, how important isolation I was diversity. Just, I was just sitting here looking at this, thinking like, this is textbook isolation. It's not far from the road, but to get to it, you're going to either have to come across from the other side and come through this massive hell hole, hell hole of a valley, or you're going to have to walk through a thicket, or you're going to have to walk past the thicket and J-hook up into it. So there's no easy way to get in. No, it. no easy way. Period. So when I when I found the head, it kind of reassured me on okay, this deer was probably whether it was shot and wounded and died or just died of old age, which I don't think was of old age because no, he's we'll, got his we'll, teeth. Well, no, we'll, we'll talk about that oh, in a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, I, I for sure just kind of looking at it, you know, bones are scattered everywhere. I'm like, I'm sure this deer was probably shot and wounded. And came back to this area because he was, you know, this is a place he felt comfortable because of the isolation. Yeah. And it a- absolutely was a place that I feel like is extremely isolated. Even though there could be hunters around you, you know, three, four hundred yards around you, a deer here would not feel pressured. And I feel like it would move very naturally throughout daylight hours, you know, throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Does, bucks, everything. And that kind of confirmed it with me, for, you know, find that deadhead there. Well, this spot that you're talking about. I've hunted it one time, the exact drainage that that you were in, and the one time I hunted it, I saw a buck. And you were, but you were like close to the mouth, right? You're- no, I was like right here. Oh, ah. I was close to where you found the deadhead, but I was on this edge. I was on this edge right here, uh-huh. and I was watching this. Uh-huh. So I was watching out into the thicket. Um, but yeah, I, so I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about this place. But I'd hunted it one time, and a uh, guy came in and started running rabbits and there was the beagles <laughs> hey that's good deer <laughs> habitat still in there yep so anyways it, it to me it just confirmed it you know finding the buck in there dead um even though i know there's you know a lot of people are like oh man that sucks that the deer died I'm like whatever well there's a lot of other good deer there yeah it is what it is i don't i don't care yeah I, I was, but the cool side part is and i want to talk about this before i kind of wrap keep talking about what i'm talking about Jeez, can't talk um we actually have history with the dead buck 
Yes, I got him on camera in 2018. 100%, 100% the same deer. Yeah, and what? And it's on socials when this drops. We're gonna post post the video of that buck that we have. But yeah, got a video of this buck. Exactly one mile. Exactly one, and it's really eye open. It's cool to me because just like I don't know, just it's cool to have him on camera in one spot and then find him dead a mile away. You know, people always say like, yeah, they'll travel this many miles, but like seeing it. And knowing for a fact this buck was right here, and then he was right here. I don't know. For me, that's super cool. And looking at the deer, um, at first I thought it could have been dead from last year, but then kind of looking at some of the aging, I think it was killed the same year we got the photo, the video. Of oh, him. for sure. So probably just after the video, he probably got shot and you know, definitely wounded and died. There. Got the video on like November twenty eighth. Okay, I'm pretty sure. And there's normally. Well, anyways, so okay. the, well, the cool thing I got him on video. It's a spot very similar to this. Mm-hmm. So you got a you got a SMZ that cuts up through some young planted pines that are very, very, very thick underneath, like seven year old pines at the time that I got the video of this buck. At first, at the video, at the things on a community scrape, uh, one of the few that I know about. Um, and I, but that one, that's kind of goes to what we were talking about with community scrapes. It's a big scrape. It's got looking, a bunch of looking branches and it's clearly old. It's dug in the ground, but it, I got a lot of nighttime activity there. Uh, so it's just not one well, t- to focus on. Well, yes. Yeah, so, anyways, but, it's, it's not in the greatest spot when it comes to if a deer want to be protected. It's not like mm-hmm. in that security cover. But yeah, exactly. So this buck, I got a video of him and at like midnight on the 28th, he or the the 27th it was like a little bit before midnight i think Mm. he comes up hits that scrape and he turns and there's a big heavy trail that goes right up into the thicket and he walked right up that joker and he was in there next morning 8 a.m here he comes 8 a.m on the dot he comes right back down the trail down the same trail he went in and he does a great i mean he comes right in front of the camera oh he walks right up one of the best videos ever trail cam videos oh dude i love that video especially when we find him and he's like oh Mm -hmm. we don't have him in here i was gonna say but anyways people can't see it hey tiffany will you run out there and grab that big giant dead deer (laughs) bring it in here the big deer skull what well, yeah, I know, but I won't play with it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, yeah, it's a cool video. He comes up, he shows you everything, and then he walks right up to the camera, and he puts his head down, and then he jerks it back up. You're like, oh, he's, he's huge. That's a good deer. Good. But anyways, it's really cool that, again, we have, you know, history with that deer. He was killed exactly one mile, or he died, not killed, but he was died exactly one mile uh, from where he had get the photo or get the video of yeah. him, and actually on the same main ridge, which yes. is kind of interesting. Oh man, here he is! Golly, it's a nice buck. That was a really good. Oh, deer. I'd kill the heck out of this deer if he yep. stepped in front of me. <laughs> nice buck. You try to kill him, but just big seven point. Nothing, nothing crazy. Nope. Just a big tall seven. Nope. Beautiful deer. Um, but yeah, he's on the same. He's on the same like ridge system. Uh, so if you Which, if you separate ridges by creeks, then he's on the same ridge, but it's a mile up the ridge, higher in elevation. That's one thing cool though about this area, or about like areas that we hunt, mm-hmm. is that you find some of these super 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 long ridges. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of something really nice because I I wonder how much just like that main ridge is like that core area or like that home range for you know bucks like this. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, it's like, how did he get from point A to point B? Like, that's super interesting to me. It's like, how how did he make it all this way? Like, what route did he take? Did what did he live here where you found him dead? Or did he hang out more over where I got him on camera? Mm-hmm. But again, the interesting thing 
the most interesting thing about it to me is where I got him on camera and you found him dead in like very similar spots. Very yeah, I was similar. about to say the same thing. Yeah. Super similar. Yeah. Um, and that was, again, I, I found him, dude, I, but I was beyond excited, beyond excited. Uh, oh, yeah. That's but a it, nice buck. But, again, it, it shows me, you know, unless there was somebody hunting in there and they just didn't find the deer, which I'd be surprised if they didn't because he was, he was kind of placed right on the edge of, like, that thick cover, like the open um, drainage. But there's so much security cover around there. I'm like, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be more deer in that area that feels secure that they're going to be in there, you know, throughout the whole season. Well, I'll say this on the, so where I got him on camera, right on the other side of that drainage, I got a stud on camera last year. You can barely see him. I know I showed you the video at some point, but I, it's the day that I went in there to check my camera and it was on video and he was the only deer I got on it. And I bumped him past the camera. Oh yes. Yeah. He's a good deer. That was a good deer. He's a good, really good deer. So he could be. It's like who who knows? He could be hanging out. You might have bumped him out of there with that bachelor. Yeah, drink. you're you're right. Um, but anyway, you know, kind of working past the deer. One thing that was very uh, noticeable for me is I didn't find very many trails that were just cutting across that drainage. Because by the time I found him, the drainage got fairly steep, especially on my side. Um, you know, I was at a much higher elevation. And, uh, most of the trails at that point for sure were all cutting, like they're all side healing. Um, and you know, it's just a very, very thick ridge top, you know, in the pines with a little bit of saplings and everything. This is really, really fascinating stuff. But the cool thing was I get close to that, the mouth or right at the mouth of the drainage. You know, and I start kind of hooking, I'm still on the left-hand side, I start hooking around. And at that point I started noticing when those topo lines started really stacking up, when the elevation really started to get really steep and get more just kind of like bluffy, how much those deer stuck to their trails. Yeah. And there would be multiple trails in an area that might have been only, you know, 30 yards, you know, width. But there might have been five or six trails right there where they're just cutting to the side of the hill as they're going around it, um, which is really, really interesting. And that was something I, I thought about. Like, if you set a camera up somewhere like that, where you're covering, you get put up high up on the hillside, angle it down on video mode, and you can kind of look across all four or five trails or yeah. six trails. I wonder how successful you would be to kind of figure out, first off, you know, when deer are coming through there, but have, you know, a little higher chance and higher odds of, uh, you know, getting that deer on camera if they're coming around those trails quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought that was really, really, really cool and how they use that train to their advantage. Um, and, you know, staying high, you know, we've had guys on the podcast before that talked about, you know, staying high for some deer, uh, especially in some, some parts of the country. And definitely in this area, it feels like, you know, them going down low, they're so exposed and there's no advantage of being down there like at all. Yeah, there's none. There's absolutely none. Like that is, as Josh talks about, uh, Josh driver, like negative terrain, like terrain that they're just, they're just not hanging out. Yeah. It's, it's areas that they're just not hanging out in daylight hours. That those drainages definitely are that for the most part. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you probably could catch a deer down in there, but there's like no advantage of be- them being down low versus being up high, unless it's strictly for them needing to go get a drink of water. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I can't imagine. Um, but anyways, I cut across the other side, and there's there's just so much deer sign. I mean, they're just working across those hills, across the the, the mouth of that drainage, and just wrapping around it, and it was just like trail after trail after trail as I was climbing up in elevation. 
I mean, it was just fascinating. And it actually got me thinking when it comes to hunting something like that, because it was real steep right there, you could do like what Troy was talking about, coming from down low, okay, climb up on the, the face of that uh, those hills, kind of like on the mouth of those drainages, and get super high up in a tree and just kind of overlooking like those like points of those ridges. Yeah. I and mean, catching deer coming around, which, I mean, uh, that might would be worth trying, especially early on in the season. Uh, but on the way back out, I put my final camera. I kind of got to the very end, uh, back to where I was. Hey, bud. Hey, Bridget. Um, and put that final camera right there uh, where that habitat transition was from the what I call slightly open pines uh, to the wall of vines. And uh, I'm extremely excited about that. You can put everything on video mode, trying to see what we can get. Uh, but, again, it just opened my eyes. You know, stuff like this is huntable. Yeah. I mean, you can hunt in there like what we talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can hunt on the ground if you wanted, but I would love to get seven, eight feet up in a tree. You know, the problem is small pinetiers don't have a lot of limbs. They don't have a lot of cover. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to, like, you know, have a really good backdrop to you, stuff like that, so you don't get skyline. But, man, I think that would be a killer, a killer, killer, killer spot. Dang it, um, man. I wish Mike was here. Oh, I know. Because oh. Mike's hunted in those kind of pines before. You, Mike's killed a bunch of bucks in that stuff. And, again, you could hunt from the ground in that. Especially like right where I put my camera, you could be on the back side of my camera, like up against those vines, yeah, and like brush yourself in, and I think you'd be fine. You'd be like, you know, five yards off the trail, or off one of the major trails. But I mean, dude, I've killed a deer like that before, shooting up, getting in that thicket, and like, there's like this little, um, is like a pine thicket, and uh, there's a beaver pond down in there, and the beavers had like, like chewed up all these pine trees and created like a little field, and it was like grassy and, hmm. and full of briars, yeah. And uh, I was trying to figure out how to hunt it. This is my first year of hunting public land. And uh, I was hunting by myself for, like, for the, like, the first time ever. I was a teenager. And at the top of the field, it was real steep. And at the top, there was, like, this little, little, like, knob that mm-hmm. came out. Like, a little tiny knob. Like, a deer could bet on it. And uh, there were some trees around it. And I brushed myself in a blind. And I sat right there. And I killed my first public land deer at, like, four steps in front, he walked right in front of me, and I gut shot him because I couldn't see. I was using a crossbow, and I couldn't see. Like I aimed, and all I saw was brown. And he like walked into my crosshairs, and I thought that I was right behind his shoulder, but I hit him in the paunch. But I killed him, got him, brought him home, and ate him. That was my first public land deer. Shot him like I'm not kidding, like almost from me to Tiffany. I mean, it was like that close. Mm. But yeah, so. Hunting off the ground, you can do it. It would be harder with a bow and, and not a crossbow. Well, if it was rainy, like conditions like I like hunting in, mm-hmm. I think it'd be fine. Um, when you, it's, just, you just have to put yourself in a spot where you can like you see them coming with enough time to like get ready. Yeah, you know, which that oh, man would be so tough in there, but it would be fun. It really would. But again, just that scouting trip opened my eyes to now what I want to start trying to focus more on because there's a couple of other drainages I want to check out. But also, especially the one I told you about. Yeah. That's like going towards like the hardwood flat or yeah. like the oak flat. Oh mm-hmm. my God, dude. I I guarantee there is going to be some stupid buck sign up in there. Like yeah. for sure. 100%. No but it's like it just opens my eye up of how some of this stuff can be huntable. You know, a lot of people would look at this like it's it's not possible. Like I've been in like, like before, uncles had like leases and stuff and clubs that would have pines like this on the property. They're like, Oh, you can't hunt that. I actually know the property that one of my uncles had, uh, in Tuscaloosa or North, North of Tuscaloosa, Fayette County, um, had a, a lot of pines like this out there. 
and it was just kind of like shrubby, like inside of them. And it was like now looking back at it, I'm like, it would have been the place to <laughs> dive deep into that crap. But no one hunted it. No one hunted like around those pines, and like those big deer were all up in there. Um, but again, it just opens my eyes up of like how you can use some of this stuff to your advantage and actually get in there where those deer feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. one of the biggest eye-opening things for me over these last couple weeks and last, really last couple years is like my definition of like isolation and like, uh, like overlooked, whether it's an overlooked spot, a hard to reach spot or isolated spot, whatever. They're all kind of the same thing. They're. I never find them super far from roads. That's exactly what I, I was going to say. I never find them super far from roads. I never. Dude, good point. Well, okay, well, and that's a horrible... Everybody take that, like, with a grain of salt because yes. where you're at, it might be that case. Around here, at least where we hunt, yeah. that's not necessarily the case at all because there's always people wanting to walk in deep. There's also things that people don't want to walk through or have to overcome to hunt, and that's the isolation. Like, this is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Perfect example. No human sign at all. Not even like old water balls from like when, when the loggers came there and they just leave trash because that happens all the time. Yeah. Nothing. And it's like you can find stuff like that where those deer feel extremely comfortable and almost feel like you have it to yourself other than maybe like rabbit hunters, which good luck trying to shit a rabbit in that stuff. <laughs> it would be it would be so tough. Um, but that's a great point. I, I was going to say the same thing. You know, isolation isn't always the farthest spot from the truck. Dude, honestly, a lot of times when I go, when we go like super deep, that's where we usually find, find people the most sign. people sign. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just uh, I think part of it is because when you're like when you're going deep like that, you usually have like a like a general kind of straight shot to go back. Uh, maybe not a straight shot, but like maybe you walk up like a certain bottom, or you walk up this bottom and then cut into this one, and you're following like the creeks up, or maybe it's like a long access road. Or just something like that. You're you're walking through the same kind of stuff, and you're generally walking straight to where you're going. It's not like you're uh, having to do all these weird J hooks and and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Um, so now for me, I, I'm thinking for finding new spots, specifically isolated spots. I'm gonna look for areas that are you got to do something weird to get to it. Maybe I don't know. I don't think you have to do something weird. I just feel like, what's the when you're driving around? What looks like the most impenetrable stuff? And there's your isolation. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's absolutely it. And, and it's like this spot right here. You gotta you gotta do something weird to get it. You have to either walk right through that thick stuff, or you gotta J hook up into it. Which basically. is awesome because you get two access points depending yeah. on how you want to hunt it. I mean, you gotta think about it. Yeah, you gotta think about it. Like if I want to go right there, I've got to walk a quarter mile, turn, walk a couple hundred yards, and then walk almost all the way back to the road. Up in the system Z. Mm -hmm. You got to walk all the way down here and J-hook and walk straight back to the road. Uh, and by the time it's all said and done, you're like, <laughs> if, you get, if you go that way, you might walk three quarters of a mile to end up 200 yards from the truck. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But, uh, again, kind of like going back to like Troy's episode, you know, talking about like walking farther than what most people are willing to do. And that doesn't always mean like walking farthest from the truck. But walking farthest to make your access make sense so you're not bumping deer and blowing deer out. Uh, and that's exactly what you would have to do in this situation. Mm -hmm. But, again, it just opened my eyes up to, like, you know, we were kind of worried, I, I think, because these pines are much older than, like, what what we've been hunting. Yeah. Okay? Um, Let's see how old they are. So, well, we won't talk about that once you find out how old they are. Hold on. This is going to be really interesting. Hmm. <gasps> interesting. 
Whoa. Oh, cut in. Oh. Uh, da, 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 da. Shh, don't you say it. Interesting. No, they're they're the age that we're talking about, right? That's weird. Eight years old. That is weird. Yep. I thought they were much older than that, dude. Interesting. Sh- very interesting. Anyways. Okay. Very cool. Oh, that was a hey, go back. That was a good photo. All right, sorry guys, we're on Google Earth right now. Uh, look at look see like where it's got look at this right here. Oh yeah. That's actually where all that buck sign was. Ha! <laughs> what do you know about that? Huh. A little gap in the in the pine, in the planted pines. Yeah, but that's where all that thick stuff is right there. Interesting. Well, you can see it plain as day. You can now. Well, that's a winter image. Um, but anyways, uh, again, this is giving me a different perspective on this. I'm. It gets me more and more excited about how you can dive into some spots that most people would overlook just because they don't think it's huntable, especially during bow season, even rifle season. I mean, most guys are gonna like they're gonna want to go sit someplace pretty, and this ain't pretty. Like, I, I put on the Instagram story, I'm like, if you ain't bleeding, it ain't thick enough. <laughs> yes. Dang straight, man. Which, by the way, if anyone out there uh, does any leather work or uh, Kydex work, I want to talk to you about making me something. <laughs> Briar Shield. Yeah. For, no, like, no joke. Uh, I'd actually like to try that out. But anyways, um, I don't know, dude. I'm excited. Like, again, kind of seeing that, I'm going to check those cameras probably because I did, dude, I blew out everything going in there. Give them like 10 days. Uh, yeah, I was going to say probably give it 10 days uh, and then check it sometime at the first of the month and just see what's back there. I mean, I am beyond excited to go check those cards. Oh, uh, dude. And I, I, can't, gotta, I, I can't wait for you to check them. Yeah, and I, I'm now looking at other places to be able to run some cameras, put some more cameras out, and just try to get a better idea. Kind of doing what Josh is talking about. You know, try to you know, go around and find until you find that one buck or a couple bucks you want to focus on, then put all your cameras in there and try to get a better pattern on them early on so you can transition. But, you know, a place like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fantastic food source throughout the whole year. Oh, the, yeah. I mean, there's white oaks in there. There's a few, there's a few big red oaks and a couple um, swamp chestnut oaks or mm-hmm. just chestnut oaks that are in there, um, along with all the green brows, uh, dude, and honeysuckle. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, it's got everything. Smorgasbord. There you go. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's what I call a public park that's got a bunch of squirrel nests all up in the trees. <laughs> like if there's ever if society collapses, I'm gonna go and clean up on squirrels there. Have me a nice squirrel and gravy. I've cool. got a na- I've got a neighbor man. <laughs> got a great yard that he feeds squirrels at. Man, talk about do what fat squirrels. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love me some squirrel. We ate some squirrel with Benny the other day. Beautiful. We gotta get him on the podcast too. We do. He's a freaking killer. Yeah, he is. Anyways, um, so yeah, that's a, that about covers the scouting. Yeah, well, again, we were just trying to apply some of the tactics, especially from like Josh Driver's episode, uh, you know, him, how he runs his trail cameras to try to be, you know, successful and trying to figure out a pattern early on in the summer. Because uh, it always feels like, you know, we do this stuff during the summertime, and you and me talked about this before. We we do stuff during the summertime in the past, and like it, we feel like it's a waste of time. By the time season gets here, we're like yeah, like nothing we found in the summer was like worth anything come deer season. No, it's like I just entertained myself for an afternoon. Exactly, but now I don't look at it that way at all. Like I yeah. don't I don't look at summer scouting that way. I mean that was one reason why I never was never a big fan of it because down here our season starts so late. When you're out there. In the summertime, you're finding stuff. So much is different. Like where the deer are, a lot of times in the summertime, like you said, like more open stuff, which goes to my topic. I don't think the big bucks, they might go to some of those openings, but they're still in the thick stuff. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Uh, I mean, I believe that for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so, 
I don't know. It's just like I have a different now. I have a different perspective after talking, especially like uh, Josh. You know, get after it in the summertime and really put in your work. You know, I kind of wish we would have done a little bit more of this um, just after deer season. But the thing is, our turkey season comes in so quick. Yeah, we, we don't have a a long. No, it's you know, like the break the, for us. The first the first weekend after deer season, we're in Nashville, and then after that, we did our bows and brews event and then after that turkey was turkey season. season yeah i didn't have time <laughs> or almost yeah i guess it was one more week because it started on 21st this year but anyway um i don't know dude i'm just oh, I'm but so at that excited. point we're we're out listening for turkeys and oh, stuff. oh yeah like i ain't i ain't thinking deer now yeah that's one i guess disadvantage of being down here <laughs> yeah that, uh, definitely i get so distracted by turkeys oh man anyways but yeah so what are we gonna try different now over the next couple next week or so um, for me, I still got to, first of all, I got to fix my daggum cameras because all of them are screwed up. Don't fix them. Throw them away because they're trash. Buy some new ones. <laughs> That's what I need to do. Pony up Mr. Christensen arms. So, for, yeah, figure out, um, figure out my trail camera situation. And I got to, I just basically do what you've been doing. Like what you did right there. Like your scouting trip and how successful it was. Now I've got a couple drainages in mind that I'm like really want to check out. So, go check out some uh, some similar areas and just hopefully locate some dang deer. Like right now, I'm I'm trying to not stack all my cameras in one spot unless I see a buck. Like you know when I'm out scouting, but right now I'm still in locate mode. Like you know, me and Michael located that one, and he's a good buck. Like he'll definitely be one that we keep an eye on. But still, just find find more, keep finding more, keep finding more. Yep. So backups on backups. Backups on backups. That's right. Or, or just options, you know, for different wind directions or different days where I have this amount of time versus that amount of well, time. Well, not just that, but, like, one thing I talked about, we talked about in our group text message, is finding doe groups now. Because the doe groups, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll shift a little bit, but, I mean, a, a doe's core, I'm suspecting, is going to be fairly similar, you know, especially, you know, compared to our habitat. We're not an ag country. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have that giant destination food source that deer are going to. Um, no, they're living in it. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't see them shifting I don't see him going like a mile or two down the road. No. No. Anyway, so if we could find one thing I want to find is a bunch of big doe groups. A couple of reasons. Number one, I want to shoot some does. Second reason, <laughs> I want to find the doe groups for when our rut starts kicking in and find that really thick security cover around those doe groups uh, that kind of focus on because I'm sure there's going to be bucks moving in those areas. Because, I mean, dude, these long ridges like this is just a awesome corridor for bucks to work up and down. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, they can work up and down these corridors on these major ridges ridges, and check all their different does going down there, all the little family groups. Mm -hmm. And they can just run down, you know, whether it's a a one-day trip or multiple-day trip. That's probably what got him killed. Probably. I mean, just... Especially since, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mike's like, I think I know who... I think I know... At Mike's least the like, stand oh, yeah. he could have got shot there's out a, of. There's a ladder stand or a lock on, like a ridge over. We're like, oh, that's probably where, probably what happened to him. Yep. If I, if I just had to guess, someone probably put a bad shot on him and he ran off and died. Was he in a spot where, like, he might have been bedded when he died or, or what? Possibly. I mean, I think during the time of the year it would have been a little open. So I feel like probably coyotes got him right there. Oh, yeah, that could be it. Because there was some coyote sign in the area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, for sure, probably coyotes got him right in that spot. Yeah, bummer. Oh, yeah. well. But I'm so glad that you found that thing. It's just like a piece of the puzzle, man. 
Yeah, that's the first. That's, that's like the one of the first things that Mike said. He's like, "Man, I'm so excited that like we're all kind of like putting all of our stuff together." Oh, this is a, oh dude. my god! I did not know you were behind me. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! Anyways, I almost almost rolled my chair over on Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Would have crushed her. Poor dude, thing. Yeah, having having a little group that where we're all sharing everything and we're all scouting together is like, dude, it's, it's all about man days. Dude, we're figuring stuff out like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Yeah, but well, you can't you can't can't be selfish with it. Like anybody out there who's wanting to to get some buddies to go out and do this with, you can't can't be selfish with it. Like you gotta you gotta put in the work and you gotta share what you get. You know, gotta give some to get some. But yeah, so um, Wyoming. Oh yeah, I forgot all about that. Awesome. Oh, dude, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's, <laughs> ooh, dude, listen. <sighs> big whitetails, big mule deer. So we drew the region that we thought we would. And didn't have to spend any of my points. Oh, thank yeah, God. Yeah, Jacob still got all his points. You know, you know, I would have been would if we would have drew the first draw, the first region. I would have my points would have. Yeah, you'd have burned your points, but it wouldn't matter because that's the best unit. It's, it's region G. It's like the best in Wyoming. That was our first choice okay. because we weren't going to draw it. The best, most sought after. Yeah, we yeah. didn't want to burn Jacob's points, so we put G, which is like I don't know. How many points? Like uh, for eight a, to ten? Or for, yeah, for a general, probably eight to ten, probably. Yeah, you, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, so no, we don't. We do not have eight to ten points. <laughs> no. <laughs> but what happens when I do have eight to ten points? If I let it go for that long, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can draw it. But yeah, so we drew the okay. reason that we thought. All right. And here's what I'm excited about: we can hunt mule <sighs> deer yep. and whitetail deer. Yep. Bucks. Bucks. Which is gonna? I have no problem shooting either one. I don't care. I'm going out there in the Andrew's first buck. Andrew's the, the first buck, spike. Dude, the first big buck I see. I think it's for all of us. The first big buck we see is going down. So what's a big buck to you? I don't know. Something that something that trips my trigger. I don't know. I'll know it when I see it. Something buck with a lot of character. Yeah, I mean seriously, like even like a muley. There's no point restriction. So if there's like a giant oh. fork, man, I'd kill that thing so fast. That would like. Oh yeah. So the cool thing about this unit is it's it's antelope country. Mm-hmm. It's flat and it is open. It looks like it looks like somebody mowed a lawn. There's a it's like a big flat plateau, but there is some drainages. But yeah, I guess there, you're there, right. there's parts of the unit that have some pretty nasty stuff on mm-hmm. them, like pretty nasty drainages. But a lot of it is like very flat. Very, very, very open. Mm-hmm. Like the the grass and like little brush and everything is like two inches tall. And Andrew knows that how? Google Street View. Nice. That is like that is like <laughs> the greatest thing of all time. It's oh, right out yeah. of the honor. Oh yeah. So all these highways out there, just Google Street View on the highway and take a look around. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, this is open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, holy crap! I can see like ten miles. That's why those guys out there shoot super freaking far. <laughs> and at first, I was like, oh gosh, like there, this is gonna be hard because it's flat and open. But then. I saw these little drainages going down to the creek, and I'm like, well, let me go street view that. So where one of these drainages comes up and meets a road, I zoomed in on Google, did the street view, and looked at that, and it's just this little low spot, and uh, it's got those low spots with the water have, like, brush in them. I'm like, okay. And then we go and start looking around some of the areas that we're actually thinking about hunting where close to water bodies and stuff, and I start seeing cattails. And I, and I get on street view and I see cattails. And I see sagebrush that's about head high on a person. I'm like, that's where they are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. And they're, and the mule deer and the whitetails are going to be hanging out in that stuff, I predict. I think that we're going to find just all kinds of critters down there. So Old grizzler bear. 
Grizzler bear. No, we're not quite in grizzly country. I don't know. I'll find a, a lone, lone little boar. Lone, <laughs> lone bear. <laughs> you be eight feet up a tree, and that sucker come by. You. <laughs> oh yeah, so I'm definitely. I'm oh definitely yeah, talk about that. Yeah, talk about talk about that. So where we're gonna go? There's actually like, and people were like, "Well, why would you go out west and do that?" Well, so you can really see down it. Well, it's flat, so so you can see down into some of that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing, like you know, if you were hunting next to a cutover or something, or like a bean field. Yeah, you can sit on the ground. You might see the top of the deer's antlers, but if you get up eight, ten feet, yeah, you can actually see the animal and actually make a shot. Yeah, well, and that and this kind of stuff, um, it's not in it's not Nebraska, but last year the hunting public did some videos in Nebraska, mm-hmm. and there was one. Oh yeah, that the was one hunt awesome. Hunt. They went way back in, yeah. and it's it's gonna be like that. It's gonna be like very short cover, wide open, and they walk way the crap back in there, and then they get to this one patch of trees. And there's just bucks like up in it. That's how I I feel like that's how it's gonna be. I can't believe they did that with a was that was a mu- yep. with a muzzleloader. Yep, that's so hard. I love those guys, man. They're <laughs> like Zach freaking takes off running after this thing. I'm like nobody else is making videos like this. This is amazing. Yeah. He just he just runs after it and then shoots it and drops it. I'm dude. like you're epic. That was awesome. That's how you make or break a hunt, dude. Sometimes you got that's what I'm saying. Balls <sighs> to the wall. Yeah. So I think it'll be kind of like that. I think. I do the same exact thing that we've talked about this whole time for Alabama. You're going to go out there, find the thick cover, find the edges. Find the isolation. Find the isolation. And I think that we're going to be on, especially out there, dude. People out there don't care about whitetails. Yeah, and well, no, well, there's some that do, but talking, we've got a buddy or a guy we know that's a local that actually works at the tax, or used to, I don't know if he still does. He worked at the tax during shop that, uh, in, in I, Cody. Yeah, that did my deer. And, uh, yeah, I was talking to him because he hunts all across the state for uh, deer and whitetails, uh, mule deer and whitetails, and um, he kind of. I, actually, I need to let him know. I didn't know. I didn't let him know that we drew this unit, but uh, he was telling me a lot of the. We need to grab a beer with that guy. Yeah, a lot of these walking areas uh, down on the you know the rivers and everything uh, get hammered, but a lot of guys hunt from the trucks. They glass from the trucks on ag fields and stuff, and they find where deer is coming out, and they you know slip in on and shoot it. Uh, but he's like, not many guys actually like leave the trucks and like go through stuff to then go glass for for whitetails. Mm-hmm. Um, and and being in a place where this is at, where there's so many so much limited cover up above these drainages and these river bottoms and stuff, this is gonna be a killer spot because especially if we have hopefully we have bad weather. I mean, hopefully like a snowstorm comes through November first. Yeah, and just I mean puts down two feet of snow mm-hmm. because if that's the case they are going to be stacked in there from what we've talked to you can know, talk to locals and also also talk to troy got his perspective on it, which was pretty epic he's oh, like yeah. he's like man if you're willing to dive into that thick stuff he's like man you might have every deer you know in that unit down there with you oh yeah oh yeah i can't wait it's gonna be a good time man i can't Dude, wait. i would take the right no, i'll take some rattling oh there. yeah oh yeah and like I said, I, I I'm fully I'm fully sure there's gonna be some mule deer down in there, especially after um, when we hunted out there last time. You remember the day before we killed our deer, we were sitting up there and we were glassing that alfalfa field. It went down, hit that alfalfa field, and the river was right there. Mm-hmm. And there's like freaking 300 elk down there. But then and all that willow and everything and the cottonwood. That's where all, there's like. 12 mule deer bucks mm-hmm. that were just I, I hanging still got out photos of them. Yeah. They were just all in that stuff and they'd go bed down and we could see them and we just sat there and watched them all day and then they'd get up and they'd walk across the field but um, they're bedded just out in those willows and I think that's what we're going to find with where we're going. I think that we're going to find that exact kind of stuff again. Uh, I think that there's going to be deer all up in that and there's they got isolation in this 
one spot. I mean, try not to put our eggs in one basket, but this one spot really looks like a home run if it if it works out. It's a lot of work to get there though. It's it, gonna it it's gonna suck. <laughs> it's it's probably gonna to be honest, of like all the places we've ever gone into, it's probably gonna be like one of the roughest ones for Whitetail. Oh man, it, it's probably not gonna be worse than where we went last year. Saw all the snakes. I don't, listen, I know that, but I ain't ever had to deal with waders in a raging river. Ah, it's not a raging river. We drove over the river last time. It wasn't bad. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> Gentle. It's like a trout stream. We're going to find out. Well, yeah, we are going to find out. But Michael had some idea one time where he was like. Pack raft. No. Sorry. One time, it was the same place where me and you walked way back in there. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I got the, like a grappling hook or something. And, and he was going to like stretch a line across. Like a oh zip line. yeah. I was like, what? I don't understand how we're gonna do that. But I'm all ears. I mean, if he's got an idea, I'm all ears for it. No, thank you. That sounds like a good way to get wet real quick. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's very true. But if we can make it across there, I think, man, I think we'll be in some good, good, good stuff. Hey, listen, we're be hunting stuff. Forget the forget your uh, your. Christian, you need the thirty thirty, man. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Going out there with the brush gun. Yeah. Seriously. 45, 4570. There you go. Going to get in the thicket, man. That's going to be exciting. I think it really will be. You know, it's fun hunting out there and be able to see everything, but to be honest, getting in some of that stuff and, like, finding, like, a really good travel corridor and also, like, possibly find where some does are at. Because, I mean, we're going to be there at, like, the very, like, pre-rut stage for them. Because I think – For mule deer. Or for I'm talking whitetails – Might no, we're gonna be there in the rut. I I need I need to talk to them because I want to. For some reason, okay, I know mule deer is related. Mule deer is like late November. Anyways, I don't know. Oh man, we're gonna be there the first like five days of November or something like that. Yeah. So we, I mean, we should hit it right on the head, roughly. I mean, people argue that, but I mean, the the deer are gonna be rutting. Like, there's gonna be hot does running around. That's all we need. So. I get chills thinking about it right now, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's going to be so fun. Hanging a grunt call and rattling antlers out west, that, that's something that something. I never really thought I'd be doing. Yeah. Well, to wrap this bad boy up, um, thanks, everyone, who's left us reviews since last week. They're awesome. Um, and we, we hear you about the swamp stuff. We hear you, and we will cover it for sure. Oh, yeah. We've gotten a lot, a lot of swamp stuff lately. So, next week? Oh, yeah. Next week. Everything everything plays out. We got a good one for next week. A really Bang. good one. Good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk about understanding how hunting pressure, how to use hunting pressure to your advantage and getting close because this guy hunts with a trad bow and is extremely successful. Mm-hmm. So And also, he kills a lot of pigs too. So, by the way, we'll talk, touch on that as well. Oh, sweet. Awesome. I didn't know about the pigs. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Dude, he almost got, he shot one last year, and dude, it almost took him out. Oh, man. Dude, he got it all on video, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to see this. Oh, I got to see it. It's ridiculous. Cool. Anything else we want to mention? No. Again, we appreciate the support. We appreciate everybody sharing the podcast, um, especially the last couple of episodes. We've had a lot of people share the show and uh, getting a lot of really good feedback. So, uh, Also, if you're wanting any other deer content right now, by the way, Go back and listen to some of our episodes from last year. You know, I always recommend people start at uh, episode like 115 or 116 and then kind of work your way through. There's a lot of really good episodes in there covering yeah. different different parts of the Southeast, but also different tactics as well that can apply everywhere Yeah, uh, with some really, really, really good guys. So, you know, go back, check out some of those older podcasts because they're still, they're still really good, especially if you burn through all of our shows and it's the middle of the week, you've got nothing else to do. You know, go back and check out some of those older shows because I think you'll get a lot out of them and heck you might find somebody like maybe even jeff homan 
where you learn how he backtracks bucks uh, with trail cameras and how you could possibly use that this summer. And that, I think, is episode 122. So y'all check those out. Let us know, and especially let us know if you want to hear any of those guys back on the show. Oh, yeah. I know there's a few of them that we're going to try to have back on, but, you know, any of those older episodes, if you really like the guys uh, that we interviewed, uh, let us know, and we'd like to try to get them back on and maybe even dive deeper if that's even possible. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for everybody who uh, shares those. That's a big help. Feel free to share some of the old ones. That's a giant help to us, and the reviews are a giant help to us. And, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who shares us, like, on Instagram and shares us on Facebook groups especially. Those always, those are always really awesome. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out here. There's one dude who always, always posts us on his Instagram story. Uh, Charles Stackhouse. You the real MVP. <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, if we had stickers, I'd send you a sticker, but maybe we'll make stickers here pretty soon or something. Uh, Tiffany, I brought her cricket, her little thing in. Cricket. Cricket? Is that what it's called? What's a cr- cricket? What is it? Can you explain it? It's, it's like a... Oh, get, hold on. Get, hold, hand her the... What, what is it? It's just like a cutting machine. So you can like cut out like vinyl or like like thin pieces of wood and like stuff like that. Thin pieces of wood? Yeah. I have the fancy cricket. <laughs> That'd be pretty slick. So yeah, we can... I'm going to... One of these days... We're going to make some stickers with that thing. Maybe I'll send one to you. Anyways. <laughs> what you got? No, awesome. I'm excited. Again, excited about Wyoming. Excited about these other states we're going to be hunting. And uh, good luck to everybody. Let us know, by the way, if any of these uh, tactics or any of these uh, topics that we've been covering so far uh, have been working for you. Especially, like, running the trail cameras and, like, community scrapes and all that kind of stuff. Um you know, let us know like what you, what you really have liked so far, and also what you might would like to hear in the future. Uh, especially if there's like in, certain individuals you'd like to see on the show, uh, and maybe have like a very in depth conversation with them. Mm-hmm. But also any specific regions of the country, or also specific tactics you'd like to hear more about. Um, and again, we're very open ears to all that. And uh, again, just appreciate the support. Please share the show. And uh, hey, y'all have a freaking killer weekend. Tag us in your scout and stuff. Hey, everybody. This is Kyle Veet, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.